all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy for Women, the show all about addressing issues of health and wellness from a woman's perspective. I am Dr. Allie Brown, surgical pathologist. I am here today with our expert, Dr. Carter Milner. She is an assistant professor of hematology in the Department of Internal Medicine at UMMC here in Jackson, Mississippi. We're going to talk all about blood today. So, um, Although it just looks like a big pile of red, there's a lot of complex stuff going on in there and a lot of different issues you can have. If you have any questions or comments, please go ahead and call us. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy for Women from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy for Women. This is Dr. Allie Brown. I'm your host today. Uh, Our specialist is Dr. Carter Milner. She is a hematologist at UMMC. She is a specialist in blood, disorders of the blood, and all sorts of things. Uh, We're very happy to have you here today, Dr. Milner. Uh, Very pleased. I don't know that we've had a hematologist on before. I I don't think so. So uh, for the folks at home, let's get to know you a little bit. Can you tell me about you, where you trained, uh, your family, your, your practice? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's a real privilege to be here today. I am a native of Jackson, Mississippi, and um, I trid my training both in medical school, internal medicine, and in my hematology and oncology fellowship at University of Mississippi Medical Center here in Jackson. Um, I am a mother of two little ones, and my husband is a dentist at UMC, and um we, uh, my practice is at UMC, and I see both benign and malignant hematology, and I have a focus in bone marrow transplant. Um, so, it's a little bit about me. Yeah, awesome. Uh, let me just give out the number really fast. It's one eight seven seven MPB ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We also have an email address, which is women at mpbonline.org. Uh, you know, when I think about hematology, of course, I have kind of a, my background is in breast cancer, which, you know, because we worked together yes. when you were a fellow. Yes. Um, but I think about leukemias and things like that. I, I jump right to malignant. Mm-hmm. But the more common disorders of the blood patients that you see are for things that, like you mentioned, are benign or are not, you know, not cancer. That's right. But can really cause a big impact on somebody's life. What are some of the common things you see in your practice that aren't cancer? So people come to us for a variety of reasons. Uh, One of the most common types of anemia that we see is iron deficiency. And in women, that that can be because of heavy menstrual cycles 
or from a GI bleeding source. Um, but anemia is a common thing we work up. It can be as simple as a B12 deficiency or folate deficiency. We also see people who might have easy bruising or um, fatigue that they can't explain. They get sent to us for that kind of workup. Um, so we see the gamut of things from just your benign anemias to thalassemias. Um, we also take care of patients in our state that have sickle cell disease. Um, and then we, uh, on the other side of that spectrum, we see people that have um, leukemias and lymphomas and multiple myelomas. And so it's, um, you know, a lot, a lot to take care of. And it's such a privilege to be able to provide services uh, for our patients here in the state. Yeah. And we're grateful to have you. I mean, that that's a big spectrum of things. And you used a lot of Big words there. So just to start from basics, I see we have a call that's coming in but not quite ready yet. Just from basics, what is anemia? People have heard this term before, I know, but what does it really mean? Anemia is different um, for men and women. So women who have a hemoglobin of less than 10 or 11. So that's uh, kind of the amount of red blood cells you have in your blood. Amount of red Mm -hmm. blood cells you have in your blood are considered anemic. Mm -hmm. Now we classify that anemia based on different things we see in your CBC, such as if your red cells are small or large or normal size. That tends us down a road where we can um, describe your anemia as well as find the source of your anemia. So for instance, iron deficiency anemia is a microcytic anemia. And um, and we check your iron levels and put you in iron replacement and try to find because we recognize iron deficiency is a symptom of something else, mm. we try to find the source of why a patient is iron deficient. So searching for that cause. Is a patient absorbing their iron? Is a patient, um, have they had a procedure uh, like a gastrectomy or, or something that would pretend that they don't absorb something that they should? Or is a patient have a bleeding issue um, where they're bleeding and they need uh special care for that. So you can have anemia or, or low red cells either because you're not making them, you're losing them somehow, or right. your diet is either deficient because you're not eating the right things or you're that your absorbing. gut is just not absorbing That's it. Right. So wow, it's a quite, an, quite a workup you have yeah. to do for these folks. But it's, not, it's interesting to know that the same disease process that looks the same on the outside is, can be caused by so many different things. I do want to go to the calls. We have our first caller, Jennifer from Pontotoc, is on the phone. Hey, Jennifer. Thank Hi. you for calling. Hi. Hi. Thank, thank you for your program. Um, I have two questions. One is um, uh, I've been told I have a, a blood platelet uh, insufficiency um, and that uh, I have the right number of platelets, but they, the platelets are misshapen. And uh, now another physician told me I need to, because I'm, um, you know, almost 70, that I need to start taking a baby aspirin. So I'm wondering, uh, will I put my, myself at risk, um, you know, for, uh, you know, bleeding out or whatever if I take the, the, the aspirin? My second question is uh, about multiple myeloma. Does it affect women more, and then does it affect African Americans more than other races? Those are great questions, Jennifer. So to tackle the first question, Dr. Milner, first of all, what what are platelets? What do they do? So platelets are a component of your red blood cell count that exist to help us clot when we bleed, you know, when we scratch ourselves or cut ourselves or have a surgery. They exist to help us formate a clot. And so when our platelets drop too low or non-functional, 
they can cause bleeding. So your platelets can be normal in number, but they're not working for some kind That's of reason. Correct. It sounds like something that Jennifer's experiencing. That's right. Okay. Um, so they can be uh, normal and function, normal blood count, normal number of platelets, but not function appropriately. And um, I don't know if they've classified, Jennifer, exactly what is going on with you. Have they given you a name of, of the reason your platelets are not functioning well? Uh, uh, well, I do have uh, chronic fatigue syndrome uh, post-cancer. Okay. Um, you know, aspirin does affect how our platelets function. And so oftentimes when a patient's on aspirin um, therapy and are undergoing any sort, sort of procedure, we ask them to stop it seven days before that procedure. Um, an aspirin can make your pl- platelets dysfunctional in a sense. So... You know, I'm not certain um, if your platelets are functioning normally. If you need to be on an aspirin, yeah. If, if you so, do you have a tendency to bleed, like when you brush your teeth and stuff like that? Do you find that you uh, are bleed a little bit more easily? Um, uh, no, I do. I, I do uh, bruise easily, though. Okay. Okay. Have you ever been to see a hematologist for a workup of these platelets? Uh, well, there was a hematologist actually who uh, diagnosed me, but he unfortunately passed away, and mm-hmm. I haven't gotten another one yet. Okay. So, if you have a platelet disorder, Dr. Milner, and then you um, potentially could be taking a medication that could interfere mm-hmm. with your with your platelets, um, I know that probably you're being suggested to use the, that aspirin for um, a risk factor for heart disease and things like that. Is that is that why you're asking, Jennifer? Right, because that's in my family. Heart oh, okay. disease is in okay. my family. So okay. it was my GP, another physician, who recommended the aspirin, not the hematologist. Okay. Jennifer, I think it would probably be wise to to come see a hematologist just so that we can better classify your platelet issue and better advise okay. you about the aspirin. But, you know, okay. when when platelets don't function well and you add an aspirin on top of that, you may not- notably have more bruising and, and could have some bleeding events. So you might seek out care. In regards to your second question, um, we see a lot of multiple myeloma here in the state. It tends to affect men slightly more than women, and African Americans are affected more. Uh, We do see that in our clinical practice and and, uh, nationally. Okay. Does that answer your question, Jennifer? Thank you. Okay, thank you Thank you for calling. So Jennifer brought up um, two really great issues, two uh, fairly common, or at least not un- mm-hmm. not uncommon um, um, issues you probably see. We talked a bit about platelets and platelets, what we call platelet dysfunction. Um, but I would like to talk a little bit about what she, what she talked about, multiple myeloma. Let me give out the number first um, for any callers that want to call in. You have an opportunity to talk to Dr. Carter Milner, an expert in hematology. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email us too at women at mpbonline.org. So multiple myeloma. It's kind of a crazy name. It is. Okay. So people probably like, what? <laughs> it does it, the name actually does not imply anything about what the disorder is about. That is correct. So uh, what what is multiple myeloma? So first multiple of all? myeloma is a disorder of your plasma cells. So we all have plasma cells in our blood. But in multiple myeloma, your plasma cells begin to behave malignantly, so begin to behave like a cancer. And they begin to cause problems as they multiply and expand and overtake your bone marrow. And those problems can be 
anemia. It can cause renal kidney problems. It can cause problems with your calcium, where we have elevated calcium. It can also cause bone lesions. And so those are our criteria where myeloma begins to really affect a patient and is a reason the patient needs to be treated. We see a lot of people who have proteins in their blood um, called MGUS, monoclonal gammopathy of undetermined significance. I know that's a big yeah. word. <laughs> but we see a lot I like of, MGUS better. It's cuter. MGUS, yeah. uh, a lot of patients who have a small protein and are referred to us to evaluate if that protein is meaningful in their blood, if it could be a sign of multiple myeloma. And so we watch that closely and, and make sure it, it does not affect the patient um, in regards to uh, the things we see with multiple myeloma. Good. Yeah, blood is really complex, as I alluded to in the <laughs> intro. We're going to take our first break, but maybe when we come back, um, we can just talk briefly about uh, normal blood, and, and then it's kind of easier to understand how these different diseases can impact the way that we function every Absolutely. day. Um, so, guys, this um, we're taking your calls. Our phone lines are open, and one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464 or email us at women at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Allie Brown. I'm here today with Dr. Carter Milner. She is a hematologist at UMMC. We are talking about any sort of issues with blood. So bleeding, clotting, cancers of the blood, too much blood, not enough blood. I mean, there's so many things that can go wrong. Uh, thanks for being with us Absolutely. today, Dr. Milner. Thanks for having me. Yeah. you. When you were talking a bit before about multiple myeloma, it got me thinking as a pathologist just about normal and abnormal and maybe how to help people understand. Because when you when most people probably think about blood, they just think about what they can see. Mm-hmm. But when you look actually at blood under the microscope, right. uh, there's a ton going on. And I always, yes. if anyone follows me on Instagram, sometimes <laughs> I post blood, you know, because I just think it's so beautiful to see all the different little cells that are living inside your body it's and amazing. have all these functions. Right. And h- how they all function together to allow us to live our lives. And if any little thing gets out of whack... That's right. It, it can be really disastrous. So let's talk about the things that are in normal blood. We have the red blood cells, That's right, right. that carry cells. the oxygen. That's right. So our red cells carry our oxygen, and, and that's why oftentimes when someone becomes anemic, they become short of breath, very fatigued. Um, we also have your white cells in your blood. So mm-hmm. our white cells help fight infection and prevent us from getting um, 
getting really sick because if we don't have those normal white cells to fight infection, then our immune system can't respond to infection appropriately. And then, of course, we have our platelets. And platelets, like I said, cause can, if they're too low, they can cause us to bleed. If they're too high, they can cause us to clot. Um, If they're dysfunctional, they can cause us to bleed. And so we have a variety of things in our blood that um, allow us to exist normally. And just like you said, something goes out of whack. It can really, really make a patient quite sick. Yeah. And and when we talk about leukemias or any sort of a proliferation or abnormal dividing of cells in the blood, a lot of times that starts in the bone marrow. So if you think about your bones, there's a lot of action going on inside those too. That's where your blood is being made. So if you have one type of cell in your blood that's being made too much, that's growing out of control, it in essence can crowd out all of the other things that you need. So you might, so if you have like a leukemia, for example, which is cancer of white blood cells, really basically, that those malignant white blood cells just grow and fill up your bone marrow and then you can't make those red cells and those platelets. So, I mean, it's a very delicate balance. There's limited space there for things to get made. Our bone marrow is that factory that makes all our cells. And so if something is not being made appropriately um, or exactly if something is crowding out that bone marrow, be it a leukemia, be it a malignant process such as a solid tumor that goes yeah, into you your have, bone. If you have breast cancer, for instance, right. that metastasizes to your spreads to your bones. That's right. Yeah. Or um, a multiple myeloma, like we talked, a malignant proliferation of your plasma cell, a cell that is normally there but may, is being made too many of. Um, you can get um, your bone, your your blood count can can be abnormal. And I would think that's often the first sign of an issue like that. It absolutely is, and so. Um, you know, your blood counts were often referred by primary care doctors because of an abnormality in one of your cell lines. There you go. Well, we do have a caller on the line. Robert from Memphis is calling us. Hey, Robert. Good morning. Good morning. I was wondering if there was a fundamental difference between the between men's blood and women's blood. That's a great question, Robert. Uh to my knowledge, there's not a fundamental difference. We classify anemias a little bit differently between a men and women. And what we expect for a, a normal in a man is slightly higher than in a female. But in regards to blood itself, there is no real difference. Yeah. I, now, the reason women tend to be uh, a little bit more anemic or tend to have a a lower baseline count of red blood cells in men is just from chronic bleeding, right? That's right. And so it's that's not right. something that's actually in the blood. It's a physio- It's the female kind of um, the menstrual cycle that, what that we affects expect us. They're normal to be. That's so correct. you know, as usual, I got to give a plug out there for the ladies. You know, we we, we kind of function a little bit uh, higher. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, did we answer your question? Um, yeah, I was just thinking that if there was someone who specialized in female blood, they would be a hematologist. Oh, MG. Oh. I love it, Robert. <laughs> but I'm pumped. Have a pleasant afternoon. You too. <laughs> okay, that's the best thing I've heard all day. A hematologist. That was great. That was great. Thank I, you, Robert. Was Robert even really asked? Robert, were you ever really asking that a question or you just want to give that joke? But it's a good question. It's a good well, question. Well, I would. Uh, I was wanted to ask a question, and then the joke came to. Oh, me. that's well. That's the best way. That's I can't. Best way. I can't miss this opportunity. <laughs> thanks for Thank calling, you. and thanks for sharing that with us. Like some levity to what could be a very serious yes. topic, and I appreciate that from our friend Robert in Memphis. 
So I'm going to go ahead and give out the number. Um, it is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can also email us at women at mpbonline.org. We'd love to take your calls about any questions about uh, abnormal bleeding. Maybe you know someone that has some sort of a a blood disorder. There are common things, and then we can get into some really. W- Rare, kind of That's wacky right. things. You talked about something that was a long word earlier. You said thalassemia. Yes. What, what is a thalassemia besides something with a super cool name? <laughs> it is a super cool name. Um, so a thalassemia is how our globin genes... Uh, the in, what? <laughs> ...on our red cells um, are made. And so we, have, we characterize different thalassemias on the alpha and beta chains. And so we, this is a microcytic anemia. So if somebody comes in with a microcytic anemia, we can run a test called a hemoglobin electrophoresis, which I is know a this big word, but um, to classify if a patient has an underlying thalassemia. Most patients who have thalassemias um, are not affected by them. Um, and oftentimes in the adult world, we catch benign, benign thalassemias that, you know, are not are not problematic for a patient, but cause their red cells to be smaller. Okay. So it's a, an abnormal structure to, structure to red, red blood, blood cells. cells. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And it's seen in certain types of patients, certain ethnic backgrounds. Is that right? Yeah. We I, I, Truly, I see it a little bit in everybody, but mm-hmm. but you can you can see it in certain ethnic like backgrounds. Medi- I remember Mediterranean. Mediterranean. Yeah. Got some Mediterranean yeah. folks out there. Yeah. And then you mentioned sickle cell, which I know is something that's right. quite common in Mississippi. It is. Um, and we, that has a very characteristic presentation. And, it does. Um, and so those patients are typically diagnosed when they're children. And um, we see them throughout their life because their cells are not, their red cells are not made normally. And they can have sickle cell crises where they have significant pain, um, joint issues, um, and so it can be a lifelong chronic condition that we have to care, you know, walk this journey with those patients and care for them along their lifespan. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there are some notable celebrities who uh, suffer from um, sickle cell disorder and, you know, it's received some some um, attention, you know, in, in recent years. Mm-hmm. And I think it used to be something you would think about people dying quite young when they had it, but now it seems like this these, this is people, changing. Yeah, with uh, medications we have, and I think the supportive measures we have, specifically uh, in our state, we we see these patients um, through difficult times and are able, hopefully, to establish a normalcy to their life with their disease. Yeah, it just takes something to be going wrong for you to understand how mm. vital a certain component of your Absolutely. body is. Yeah. Let me give the number out again. It's one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can email us at women at mpbonline.org. Dr. Milner, you mentioned some um, things, some ways that you can feel when you have um, more common blood disorders like anemia, and I, I have all of them, so I just want you to <laughs> specify, when does someone really need to, to have it seen about? So fatigue. Fatigue. And, you know, because everyone's so full of energy everybody nowadays. Everybody these days. When with... does fatigue really start to be a concern? So fatigue in, in our in our realm begins to be a concern specifically of course if you have an abnormality in your blood that's not getting better but fatigue associated with weight loss associated with drenching sweats at night some signs to look out for there but also increased bruising bleeding 
specifically if you notice bruising where you don't you don't know what has happened and you don't you can't explain the bruising or bleeding when you brush your teeth nosebleeds gum bleeding um, those are things to watch out for but fatigue of course we all have it and when to call is when it's not making sense to you when you've done all the right things in your life to to make strides towards improving your fatigue and you seek out care at your primary care and and they note an anemia and it persists despite their workup and evaluation so so oftentimes I would imagine anemias get better with um, supplements, with iron supplements? or Right. So iron deficiency specifically will get better with iron supplementation. We often, as a hematologist, search for an underlying cause. So doing iron absorption studies or evaluating a patient's menstrual cycles and sending them to a gynecologist if that's necessary or having a patient undergo a colonoscopy. I was about or, to say colon uh, cancer is a big or one, right? scope if it doesn't make sense. You know, they're not having a menstrual cycle but have severe iron deficiency. We're trying to identify that source so we don't miss Where's a colon. Where's the bleeding coming Where's from? Where's the bleeding coming yeah. from? And so, yes, we put pe- patients on iron, um, typically ferrous sulfate, which is an iron, an oral iron supplement, uh, two to three times a day. And typically we can replace their iron stores over six, six months time frame. And we see them back every few months to evaluate their progress. Off, sometimes, occasionally, uh, patients don't like the iron Iron supplementation can cause some constipation issues and occasionally nausea and can be difficult to tolerate. And then we have to um, advise IV IV iron replacement. And how often do you have to get that? So it depends. Um, Typically depends on why you're losing the iron. But IV iron can be given one time um, in a long setting over several hours, or it can be given once a week times two weeks. Um, different iron formulations, but oftentimes patients don't have to get it a few, but a few times a year. And so, that's different than a blood transfusion. I just want to make that different. clear to our listeners. That is different. Yeah. Um, blood a blood transfusion does contain iron, but this is different. An iron infusion um, given in our clinic. So, so it's not made from human blood or anything no, like that. Yeah, it's like taking a vitamin in your veins. That's right. That's right. Okay. Just, oh, we do have a caller on the line. Uh, Connie is calling from Mobile. Hey, Connie. Hi. Hi. What's your question? Well, I'd like to know what causes a low sodium. I went to the doctor uh, last week, and uh, mine was so low that I immediately had to go in the hospital and have two transfusions of uh, of the uh, IV, whatever, sodium. And uh, what causes that? She said, well, have you been drinking too much and flushing? I said, no. I have to make myself drink. Connie, how were you feeling when you when you had that that reading in your blood? Uh, the fatigue is not normal. It's you don't want to move. Mm-hmm. You don't want to get out of bed. You're just exhausted. It's beyond exhaustion. Is the only way I can describe it. Because the first thing I would wonder is is the test correct? So um, if you were feeling fine and had a, some crazy low sodium, I would think maybe that test needs to be repeated. But it sounds like. You were weren't feeling so well, Dr. Milner. Do you want to talk about yeah, that? Yeah, that's um, correct. I was I, the fatigue was such that I just felt like I could not get out of bed. And Connie, had you been eating well? Yes, you had been. So the different. I'm eighty. I'm eighty-eight. Eighty-eight. And maybe that is, but I've never had this before. And after I had the two uh, IV fluid bags, I had to be in the hospital twenty-four hours. Uh, then I came home, and I've just been resting. But I do feel better. But still, you know, not 
I'm not going to run around the block, but still, uh, not like when I went in. So, Connie, were you put on any new medications recently? No, nothing, nothing. new. Okay. No. Yeah, thyroid. Because yeah, when you think about having a low sodium, which is not technically part of the blood, that's just an electrolyte in the blood, you think about is there too much water in your system that kind of dilutes the sodium that you have, you know, because usually with sodium it's more about water balance. Yeah. I said, no, I said, because I I have to make myself drink anything. Yeah. So we can't figure out what could have caused it. And you said, is your thyroid normal? Oh, I had a thyroidectomy, and okay. I take thyroid every day. Okay. Except, except I do forget to take it sometimes. Well, you think that could be it. Your thyroid, you know, thyroid issues can cause hyponatremia, but it's kind of the last, you know, the one of the outliers there. Um, like Allie said, you know, it is an electrolyte in your blood, and it's often secondary to kind of your volume status, whether you're dehydrated yeah. or have too much volume. Um, occasionally, medications can cause hyponatremia. No, not taking anything. And that's why we could, she couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure it out. And every question she asked me, I answered, but nothing makes sense that it could get so low that I had to be put in the hospital immediately. Yeah, right. Um, did they do, uh, like, imaging of your of your head or anything your brain. like that? Uh, no, they didn't. I wonder if, you know, I'm sure you're going to follow up closely and they're going to check your blood again in clinic, I would imagine, correct? I would assume you have an appointment. Yes, I was there this morning. Everything's fine. Oh, okay. fantastic. Good. So let's just hope it was a one-time thing, but if it becomes something that is uh, recurring, that, you know, probably would need some more evaluation. You yeah. know, there is a a gland in your in your head and they're all that could regulate, you know, um, sodium levels. There there could be what, something what amiss. What gland is that? A pituitary gland. Your pituitary. Say it again. Your pituitary gland. That, that could have something to do. Or your uh, adrenal glands that sit on your mm-hmm. kidneys. Adrenals. I mean, okay, yeah. So okay. there are just different things that can be looked at. But if it's a one-off thing and you come back and everything's fine, then, then you know, uh, hopefully okay. you can just be watched closely. At 88, right. you sound much younger than 88, <laughs> I have to say. And oh, on no you. medications. I mean, bravo. Yeah, thank you. Only the good die young. <laughs> okay, thanks Connie. for calling. Yeah, okay, make sure you well, keep your follow up appointments, and and I yeah. hope uh, I hope for the best for you, Connie. Thank you. Appreciate your help. Bye. All right. Bye. Sticking in Mobile is a uh, con. Mike, are you friends with Connie? No. I'm oh, not. okay. Well, I'm not. <laughs> she might be your neighbor. You know. Down here have medical questions. <laughs> That's right. What's your question, Mike? Oh, I think it's a pretty easy one for you. You know those little things you put on your finger and it tells you your uh, blood saturation? Or your, oxygen your oxygen saturation? saturation? Rate. Yeah. You know, mine used to be like 99, and now I, I'm like down around 96. Well, why are you and, checking uh, it? You have one at home, or what's going on, Mike? Yeah, I got one of those things at home. Okay. So, Mike, or... And, and I got another question. Yeah, okay. How does that thing work? <laughs> okay. Well, why don't we take that question first about how the pulse oximeter, as we call it, how it works. So, you know, your pulse oximeter that you put on your finger um, is sending, um, I guess it's an, uh, a wave of light light yeah. through and, and capturing the oxygen that's found on your red blood cells. So, so the, you know, your blood is red because of the iron and the oxygen status of it that that makes it actually that color so you can utilize how your blood looks through that instrument to estimate the saturation of oxygen in your blood um so you know going from 99 to 96 you know Mm -hmm. are you having are you are you short of breath at all 
No, but I do have this chronic lung congestion. Okay. And I thought that might be so it. So, you know, chronic um, obstructive pulmonary disease, chronic pulmonary issues. Uh, it's kind of like bronchitis. I've been sub- subjected to bronchitis my whole life from time to time. Okay. But this last bout has lasted me about three months. But it's real mild. I don't even know, feel I have it when I'm laying flat on my back. Have you had a chest X-ray? Have you had that worked up? No, I hadn't had a chest X-ray in I don't know, 20 years. That might be reasonable to consider. Yeah, um, I'm thinking about it. I'm looking for a holistic doctor is what I'm looking for. Well, find one with an X-ray machine. <laughs> yeah. First thing I would say was to go to your, your general physician and just get it worked up because, um, you know, it's hard to know what's going on in the lungs if you don't have someone have a listen and have a look. Yeah. Um, so I, I would urge you to go see kind of a, a classic regular old doctor for first and then, you know, maybe explore holistic routes in tandem, you know, together with your um, your regular practitioner. That that would be I would encourage you to do that. And also, yeah. you know, those instruments, I know you have it at home. Um, they do need to be probably uh, they don't last forever. They don't. They don't. Um, So the ones in hospitals, you know, they have to be QC'd and they have to be rotated and things Mm -hmm. like that. So I'm not sure how long you've had that pulse oximeter, but that you know, um, you should trust it. And probably a cheap one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I would encourage you though to go see your your um, your doctor and just have that checked out. I mean, you don't need to be suffering for three months with bronchitis. uh, it's they're definitely wild, though. I don't even yeah. notice it when I'm walking around. It doesn't slow me down a bit, and I don't get phlegm coming up. Well, you don't want it to get that way either. Yeah. I lay on my back, and I get choked up. Yeah. Well, you might want to see about it before it gets to the point where it's affecting you when you walk around. So I'll just make a, a plea for that. Just go have a look and, and see what your doctor said. Let him have a listen or her and uh, see what they say. But that could okay. definitely be causing that mild decrease in oxygen saturation on your on your instrument. Well, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for calling, thanks Mike. Thanks for calling. All right, the Mobile crew is current, has currently settled down. It's good to hear from folks in Mobile. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Mobile is, is, is listening. I love it. All right, so a lot about oxygen. So people, you, you think about lung things That's making right. you feel tired and short of breath, but it's kind of weird because since blood is carrying the oxygen, you can feel plenty short of breath. But it's actually not your lungs that are the issue. It's the fact that the oxygen-carrying capacity of your blood Blood. is decreased. That's right. Everything's got to work to work together. That's right. To make you feel good. So you often find, right, that people who have anemia, their heart rate is elevated. They might be breathing kind of fast. You can have shortness of breath, palpitations. And when you listen to a patient, their heart rate may be elevated. They may have a, a murmur because of their low blood levels. Yeah, their body's trying to compensate for That's oxygen right. being low, trying to circulate that blood more to, to to get around the fact that your brain and all those very important things in your body need oxygen, need oxygen. to go on, right? Right. And um, I know that there are some kind of innovative things that are going on at UMC on the on the cancer front. Yeah. Uh, we don't we've been talking a lot about common things. Common things are common. Um, but leukemia and lymphoma are not uncommon. That's right. We don't want to freak people out and think if you have a problem with blood, you automatically have cancer, but these cancers do occur. Mm-hmm. And what are the some of the things that you guys are doing at UMC now, some cutting edge type things? So some some cutting edge things. It's an exciting time to be in this field because new things are coming out every day. And some of the things that we're looking into um, doing is being a part of the CAR T-cell therapies. What is that? So that is chimeric antigen receptor. Y'all so fancy. 
to cell therapies. And that is basically using someone's immune system, taking uh, their T cells, which is a part of our immune system. So that's part of the white blood cell. It's a that type is, of white blood cell. Mm-hmm. You take that out of the patient's blood through a procedure called apheresis, mm-hmm. and you manipulate that T cell, um, put a target on that T cell through... Um, uh, you know, T cells get sent off and are manipulated and put a target on them, uh, kind of like a monoclonal body. Uh, antibody has a target, and those T cells are then reinfused to a patient. So it's your own your white own blood cells. They get sent system. to a lab. They get kind of jazzed up. Yeah, that's right. They get jazzed up to fight, back. Your, fight your tumor. So you're not getting someone else's cells. This is actually an what we would call an autologous That's right. sort of a, a transplantation or whatever you would mm-hmm. not transplantation, but uh, infusion. Infusion of your, your T cells that have been changed slightly to mm-hmm. uh, becoming a living drug inside of your body. Um, and um, hopefully they will target different types of tumors going forward. But um, it, it's, it's a really exciting time. And right now we have FDA indications for pediatric and young adult relapse refractory ALL, acute lymphocytic leukemia, as well as relapsed refractory diffuse large B-cell lymphoma. And this is something we're exploring at UMC and hope to have in the near future. What a great resource um, for folks that have already been down a very difficult difficult road, road. um, have already, it sounds like probably had a bone marrow transplant and lots of aggressive chemotherapy. Right. And then uh, something new and a a new way to kind of turn, I guess you sort of are um, exciting your own cells to try to battle those bad cancer cells. That's right. What a, what a great exciting. resource. That's exciting. an exciting thing with a big fancy name. Yes. Very proud to have that here at UMC in Jackson. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a break on that note so you guys can digest this uh, cutting-edge innovative therapy that we're doing here at UMC. Um, I do want to give out the phone number because we have about one segment left, and you guys can um, call in with your questions for Dr. Milner, who is our hematologist. So anything about the blood, uh, blood clotting, bleeding, leukemia, lymphoma, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We also have an email address, which is women at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. I am Dr. Allie Brown. I am a surgical pathologist. Which, by the way, is like the coolest thing to be. I'm not sure if you knew that. But anyway, uh, I'm here with Dr. Carter Milner, who is a hematologist, which is also pretty super cool. And I have to say that hematologists and pathologists work very closely together. We do. Um, because um, we're really 
you need us and we need you. That's right. You need all the information. The pathologists, we're the ones that actually examine the blood and look at the blood under the microscope. Although hematologists, I have to say, of the medical specialties, you guys are uh, some of the doctors that are more involved with actually looking at blood yourselves and things like that, which we always love as pathologists. Great teamwork. We love to look under the microscope. And then we send you our bone marrow biopsies. and. Currently, we're having a conference every week with hematopathologists at UMC talking about things together. That's the way to do healthcare as a team, breaking down barriers and silos. And and I have to say, UMC Hematology has been exemplary for that for many years. I'm going to go ahead and give out the uh, phone number. It's 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Please go ahead and call us if you have any questions. We have a couple of folks uh, on tap uh, that we're about to get to. Dexter, we're about to go to you. Um, We also have an email if you're not able to get to the phone, which is women at mpbonline.org. There are lots of different things to ask uh, regarding blood, things that people might not think about. Um, so any experiences you might have, you or a loved one, go ahead and give us a call. I'm going to go right now to Dexter in Mabin. Is that right, Dexter, Mabin? That is correct. I'm, where is Mabin? Uh, that is uh, about 20 miles uh, west of Starkville, Mississippi. Oh, okay. All right, all right. I've not, not heard of that I, before. Just off Highway 82. But anyway, uh, I was calling about an earlier caller, the 88-year-old woman that had the sodium yeah. uh, problem. Yes, sir. My sister went through that very same thing, and she's she's now 89, getting close to 90. But she went into a coma, and she was diagnosed uh, with, uh, I can't remember the exact name, but the syndrome of inappropriate. Mm-hmm. ADH. Uh, yeah, and that, so she had uh, probably like a head scan where they saw that she had something going on with that pituitary gland, right? That's kind of what well, we had mentioned. Well, uh, somehow... I guess it was because she was secreting yeah. too much too sodium, much. I guess, through the urine. Yeah. yeah. So they put her on a on an old antibiotic that they found yeah. that was one of the side effects that it made her re- made you retain sodium. Mm-hmm. And now she's doing fine. That's fantastic. That's wonderful. That's fantastic. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, kind of as we had mentioned earlier, um, there is a additional workup if 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 her blood continues to or her, her sodium continues to be low like that it sounds like her her doctors are watching her quite closely and part of it is being worked up for that exact disorder which is the syndrome of inappropriate ADH secretion SIADH which is yes, something um yeah which is something that um they need to get like I've scans never heard of her head of it before. well it's kind and of a it, not not yeah, common it took thing them a while to diagnose it too but they finally diagnosed it and, yeah. and she got much better it's well so thank thankful. you Dexter yeah thanks yeah. thanks for um for calling in and 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 telling us about your experience with that and I'm I'm glad that she's doing well and thanks for letting us oh. know where Mabin is yeah have a great cool fall day in oh. Mabin and a great weekend. Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, Bye. thank you. Bye. Next, I'm going to go uh, to the phones again. Hey, Sue. we got Sue calling from Beaumont. How are you doing today? Hi. I'd like to ask how do people who are vegetarians, I mean, strict vegetarians that don't eat eggs and fish and all that stuff, how do they keep from becoming anemic because uh, you get your B12 and iron from meat production, you know, with digestion in your stomach. That is exactly, that's a great question. And, and I also could ask another question right quick. How, how also, why is it that people with chronic renal disease and a dialysis, perhaps, how, why do they get uh, anemic? I mean, how does your kidneys, what do your kidneys do to have 
have to do with production of red blood cells. Sue, you always have the best questions. That's, I feel like someone's planting you out there. Great Sue question, calls all the Sue. time with great questions. Wow. Okay. Question number one, Dr. Milner. So you're exactly right, Sue. Uh, vegetarians, uh, strictly vegans, vegans who are not eating any meat products or having uh, cheese or eggs can become um, anemic, specifically with B12, B12 and folate deficiencies. So it's really important for those folks, um, those things are stored in our liver. And so for a number of years, those patients may be fine, but it will eventually catch up to them. And so I do recommend that those patients take a, a daily multivitamin, a supplement with both B12 and folate to ensure that they don't become anemic. Um, you can get iron from a variety of sources, and um, but the B12 and folate are the things you worry about in strict vegan diets. Um, and if you're fatigued as a vegan, you may want to be evaluated by your primary practitioner to see if you're anemic. Um, and, uh, and, and sometimes it requires more intense replacement with sub-Q injections for B12 deficiency. And um, so I hope that answered your question. What about the renal disease? The renal, yes, ma'am. Um, so the renal disease. So there is anemia of chronic renal disease, and we often see that in our patients who have dialysis or who just have renal insufficiency. And oftentimes it's uh, secondary to erythropoietin that uh, our kidneys help produce. And when your kidneys do not function normally, um, it begins to affect red blood cell def- uh Production. So the kidneys actually make a hormone that regulates the production of red blood cells. So if your kidneys are sick, then sometimes they will make less of, right. of that hormone, which that's, which that's yeah. interesting. And we can give you we can give you that uh, in injection form if you have bad uh, renal disease and are anemic to help promote red blood cell development. In fact, when these folks get in trouble for doping in sports, a lot of times this is what they're taking, these erythropoietin shots, right? right? Or infusions of erythropoietin. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Well, thanks so much, Sue. Next, we're going to go to Carrie, who is on the road in Louisiana. Hey, Carrie. Carrie, you still on the road? Yes. Hey. Hey, Carrie. What's your question? (laughs) Thanks for calling. Um, I have a question about the difference between the sodium that you eat and the sodium in the blood. Because um, my husband, before he passed, he had a terrible time with low sodium levels in his blood. And people kept telling him to eat more salt, eat more salt. But that was not the true thing to do because um, a nurse or a doctor explained to us that uh, there are sodium levels in the blood that affects the brain. Could you explain the difference, please? Thanks for your question, Carrie. So sodium is really important in your body as an electrolyte. And if it can, if your sodium levels get too low, it can cause swelling in your brain. You know, your sodium, as we've discussed, has, is regulated in a variety of ways. And while you can take in sodium through your diet, what your body does with that sodium is quite important. And so we... We are, you know, our, our sodium changes based on different glands in our body, such as our adrenal or pituitary, different hormones that are secreted, as well as how our kidneys function. So um, it's a complex system of how we regulate our sodium. Um, but sometimes our dietary sodium may or may not help that. 
Yeah, um, so the actual element of sodium is the same in your blood as it is in your diet. I mean, it's a an element on the periodic table, table, right? That's right. Um, but just because you're eating more, if your body has an underlying problem where it's not regulating it right, you could try to eat all that you want and it either might not be absorbed, it might be excreted too fast, unless that underlying problem is corrected, uh, eating it or taking it in is not necessarily going to help. Not that it's different, but the underlying disease needs right. to be remedied. Does that make sense, Carrie? His problem was that his body was not regulating it correctly. Yeah, exactly. And so, so here were our friends and our relatives telling him, eat more salt, right. eat more salt, but that wasn't helping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Actually, his level actually went so low, he had to go into the hospital, and they explained to us, that there are there's a certain level well where there are different degrees that if you go below a certain level it can cause um oh you can get uh, to where you're uh foggy minded right that and can, then it can drop below that where you can go into a coma and then you can die that's yes. right because if you think about just basic chemistry that when a fluid has a high concentration that's where water wants to track. So sodium's all about being in there and then water wants to follow it. So if your yeah. blood has very low sodium, then water's going to want to leave the blood vessels. And unfortunately, when it leaves the blood vessels and soaks into the brain, there's nowhere for your brain to go and the brain swells. Mm-hmm. And then the more swollen your brain gets, it causes exactly what you're talking about. At first, maybe you'll just be sort of delirious, but eventually it can cause what we call herniation, which mm-hmm. causes the patient to even go into a coma, stop breathing. Etc. So right. it's not the right. sodium itself; it's the level and how it and causes how water it to flow. And absolutely, um, you know, somebody can yeah. can get severely okay. dehydrated and their sodium can drop really low quickly, and that patient can become very sick. Oftentimes, people who present with really low sodiums have to be watched closely in the intensive care unit and needs to be corrected slowly. It's, right, it has to be very corrected very slowly. Yeah. Well, that. I needed to be reminded of that because I, I kind of forget, you know, how it goes. And it's the regulation of the sodium that I have to remember. Yeah, yeah, it's complicated. Yes. The body is a complicated thing, I'll tell you. It is. Thank you for your okay. call, Carrie. Well, thank you very much. Drive safely. Thank you. You, you have a good day. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. All right, we're about to wrap up. We just have a couple more minutes left in the show. Uh, are there some words of wisdom, some takeaways? What are some common things that you leave your patients with in clinic, ways that they can keep their blood healthy, perhaps? Yeah, you know, I think a healthy lifestyle, a good, uh, well-balanced diet, healthy uh, lifestyle in regards to exercise and taking care of yourself, and always seeking help with your primary care doctor or asking to be referred to a specialist if something isn't going well. Um, But do look out for things that that shouldn't be happening, such as if you have blood in your stool or unexplained bleeding issues um, or losing weight without trying or having severe sweats at night, all things that um, can be signs and symptoms of something something bigger. 
Yeah, a lot of time, and I, I think this is something that Dr. Owens, my my compadre, talks about a lot: is understanding your body, knowing your body, and not being afraid to get out there and taking charge of your healthcare and yeah. trying to find an answer. Don't don't wait until you can't even right. deal with it anymore. To be your own advocate, like our friend who called earlier with three months of bronchitis. Go to the doctor. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Go get it checked out. Hopefully, he says everything's fine, and then that's that. Yeah, yeah that's right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Milner, for coming in today. The show was great. I think thank you, you gave so much great information. Me. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank yeah, you. you it's You'll been have a to privilege. come back. Today's Southern Remedy was produced and engineered by Jay White. Our call screener today, I think, also was Jay White. He is everything and everybody to us today. I am Dr. Allie Brown. Please join us next Friday at 11 for Southern Remedy for Women. And stay tuned. NPR's Here and Now is next on MPB Think Radio.